I just told Pastor Corey that I love him. Amen. He is a wonderful pastor. Amen. Amen. Can we give God another hand praise for him and his wife? And I would not go any further without first introducing my wife because she is my helpmate. And so I just want her to stand. She is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And if you wait, God will give you the best thing. See, you can get ahead of God and run out ahead of him and, and try to make some things work, and you end up with an Ishmael. That's a whole nother message. So I'm thankful. Word of encouragement. Wait on the Lord. Again, I say wait. Because when you get the right one, they will make you want to step higher, reach further, do more than you even thought you could. Yes, yes. When you get the right one. So I want to tell you how I ended up here. And then we go into the word of God. My wife and I have been pastoring for, oh my goodness, a lot of years. And then God said, I'm calling you to a street ministry. And so we said, okay, that's what we do. So we thought. But what we've learned is sometimes the church becomes a hotel for Christians. You come in, get your spa treatment, and you go back home. I'm not going to step on no toes. <laughs> I do want him to invite me back. <laughs> All right, so, so God told us, he said, leave the church and go into the streets. Now, that sounds good, but it takes a whole lot of faith to do it. When you're comfortable, when things are working, church is growing, God is blessing, and you're calling me to do what? So August 31st, we left the church, began ministering in the streets, and we said, but we need a place, hey, that we can land. And so on our way to Florida, God has us here for a season. Let's pray and go into the word. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for such a wonderful day that you have made. We thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the spirit, oh God, that is in this place. But most of all, we thank you for the promise you made that you won't leave us nor forsake us. We thank you, God, that you said you will be with us always and forever. And I believe that everyone under the sound of my voice can testify to the fact that you are a God of your word for you watch over your word to perform it. And so, Father, as we decrease, we ask that you might increase this day. That the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart would be acceptable in your sight. I pray, God, that they would hear Jesus. I don't want to hoop. I don't want to holler. I want you to be exposed. I want you to touch hearts. I want you to call people into their destiny. I want you to just be God of every situation. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
All right, I am charged to talk about the unexpected gift. The unexpected gift. And a lot of times we think of uh, unexpected as something that uh, comes and it happens and we didn't expect it to come. Yes, that's true. But there are some things in the word of God that God has already told us. He has pre-planned it for us, but we don't expect that he is going to do exactly what he said he would do. See, the unexpected gift comes in a form of um, um, you decreasing so that he can increase. The unexpected gift comes when you make yourself low so that he can lift you up. The unexpected gift comes when you decide you want to be the least of these so that he can make you the greater of these. Come on now, I'm used to a couple amen. Can I get one or two amen from this side? Amen? The highest praise that we can give God is hallelujah, right? Right? And the Bible says that I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is unto uh, it that salvation comes. Right? And sometimes you got to just be attentive if you're going to get what God has promised you. So unexpected gifts. And the scripture text that we're going to use today is found in Mark. Mark chapter 1, starting with verse 13, 14. Let me set this up first before we get into this. See, Jesus was able to do all things as we just sang. But he said, first, I'm going to wrap myself in flesh come down to earth in the form of a man and I'm going to dwell among you. I am going to go through the things that you go through so that I have some relationship with you when you go through it. See, you are taking tests and you're studying and you're going through school, but he also had to take some tests. Might not have been the same kind of test, but he understands exactly what you are going through. He understands disappointment. He understands when things don't turn out the way that you think they should. And in the text, we're going to see some teenagers similar to you who didn't get chose the first time. So in verse 14, it says, later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee where he preached the good news. The time promised by God has come at last. He announced the kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe. Now, how many of you realize that now is the time? How many of you realize that now is the time that you need to love just like Jesus loved? Now is the time that you need to be just like Jesus was. Now is the time that he's calling us to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. See, it's easy to talk about it, but it's more difficult to be about it. All right, we're going to work today. I can see that. Yes, you cannot do nor be what God is calling you to be without gaining access into the kingdom of God. You cannot do it. You've struggled, I've struggled, we've tried, we've failed. It's because without the access of the kingdom of God, we cannot be successful. So Jesus says what we need to do is to repent and believe. See, sometimes we say, okay, well, I'm going to believe, but I'm not going to do the repenting thing. See, it's a two-step process. They go together. You can't just do one and not the other. 
Repenting is not of a 45 degree turn, but it is an actual 180 degree turn. It means I'm headed this way. When I come into Christ, I turn around and I go back this way into him. See, if you just make a 45 degree turn, you're still missing the mark. You're still not headed in the right direction. But when you come to the saving knowledge of Christ, Something happens in your heart. You want to repent because you believe. See, you believe on Jesus. I didn't say in Jesus. The devil believes in Jesus. But when you believe on Jesus, something happens in your heart. And you say, I don't want to just show up so that I can get the check mark. But I'm showing up because God has something in this place for me. You have a wonderful pastor filled with the spirit of God. And I promise you, if you allow him to not just speak to your ear, but to your spirit, you'll reach heights that you never thought you could reach. See, God is saying now is the time the scripture says. See, John the Baptist prepared the way. But Jesus was the way. He says, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. But there's something that is required of you. And is that that you must believe on Jesus, repent, and the kingdom opens up. And when the kingdom opens up, you get everything that the kingdom has to offer. You don't just get Jesus, but you get every one of the angels that are lifted up high. Every one of the angels are summons to your call. Access to the kingdom. John 15, 16 says that you didn't choose me, but I chose you and I called you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. It's not on the screen. See, sometimes we think that, oh, I'm going to get saved today. I'm going to go to church and I'm going to make the change. But it don't work like that. See, Jesus is in pursuit after us. And except he pursue you, you can't get to him. Nobody breaks into the kingdom. You can't storm the kingdom except you are a part of the kingdom. And you don't become a part of the kingdom until Jesus Christ seeks after you. And he came that he might seek and save the lost. And so when the opportunity comes, you can say yes, positively respond because of the kingdom that has come. And so when we look at the next following verses... Verse 16, it says, one day Jesus was walking by the shore of the sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets and at once they followed him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John in a boat repairing their nets 
He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Jesus said, follow me. He called them unto him into his ministry, not their ministry. And sometimes we can set in our minds, this is what I'm going to do. But what is he calling you to do? Oh, I'll do this because it pays more. When he's saying, do this and I'll make you successful. Do this and I'll give you the desires of your heart. Jesus sees you exactly where you are. Just like he saw them for. And because he sees you, he calls you. And when he calls you, he calls you out of disappointment in order to bring you into success. Now, see, it doesn't look like they were disappointed because they were fishermen. They did what the family did. They caught a lot of fish. But they were disappointed because back in that day, you went to school until you were 15 years old. And every student knew the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. And it was in that study that you were chosen to be a disciple of one of the rabbis. And if you weren't chosen, that's when you went into the family business. If you didn't get chosen, that's when you went into the workforce. And so they were fishing, and I'm sure they did a good job, but deep in their hearts, they weren't satisfied. And there are some folks in this place that come here, they smile, they raise their hand, but they're not satisfied in their hearts because they're not fishing like Jesus said. So the Bible says that he called them. And I believe that he's calling each and every one of us. He's calling us to leave what is comfortable and to do something that might make you feel uncomfortable. It's interesting to me that the people that he called were family. He called two brothers and then he called two more brothers and a father. They had a family business. But we also have a brother and his name is Jesus. And we have a father and his name is God and they also have a family business. And his business is about fishing for men. And he has called each and every one of us to be fishers of men. He says, I will teach you how to fish. Just follow me and I'll instruct you. I know I only got so much time. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on it. So I'm going to give you the text. And then I'm just going to speak through it. Would that be all right? Okay, John, not John. Lord, help me. Mark chapter 1, verse 14 through 34. If you got a pen, a smartphone, an iPhone, or whatever kind of phone you got, write that down because you need to read this later. Because all I'm doing is casting seed. It's the Spirit's job that's going to come and quicken the hearts. And so if you go back and you read that, I promise you God will do something. I promise you. So in the text, no, I'm going to be obedient unless the Spirit say move. So in the text, you have these four people that Jesus calls. He calls them out of disappointment and he gives them a second chance 
But that just sounds so familiar, just like God. Adam messed it up, but Jesus gave us a second chance. David messed it up, but Jesus gave him a second chance. Jacob messed it up, but Jesus gave him a second chance. You and I have messed it up, but Jesus always gives a second chance. It is not over, but it's just beginning because the Bible says now is the time for the kingdom of God is at hand. And so they go a little further and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. He takes the ordinary and calls them to something extraordinary. Something that they cannot do apart from the kingdom of God. And God does not just give us information, but he always gives us demonstration. Amen. He gives us demonstration. He never tells you to do something that he has not or will not do himself. So he says, as you're following me, I'm going to show you exactly what you ought to do. And so he goes into a church, a place where everybody ought to be all right. Right? It's in the text. You got to read it when you get home. And when he gets into the synagogue, the church, he says, there is this demon-possessed man in the church. Now, the first thing that came to my mind was how long had he been there and why ain't somebody put him out? But then as Jesus began to speak to me, he says, because you do not criticize the man. You just put the spirit out. And there are some people that come into the building. They come into the place of God. They're in search of something, but they're bound by something that keeps them from being taught and they don't even want to be healed. It's not because God can't do it. It's because the spirit of God has got them bound to where they won't let them do it. But when you fish for men, you don't come here just to worship, but you come here to see where can I be used? God, what are you calling me to? Oh, this one needs the touch. This one needs some help. This one needs lifted up. Are you fishing for men? Or are you just trying to be in the spa? So he goes to the synagogue. And they probably had a wonderful band that sang. And the church worshiped. And Jesus confronts this spirit head on. And he silences the spirit. He says, Jesus, what do you have to do with us? I know you're the Holy One of God. See, even the demons know who Jesus is. They believe in him, but they don't believe on him. And you and I are called to fish for men. We're called to rescue those that are bound. But Jesus said, I've come to bind up the brokenhearted. I've come to set those that are at liberty, that are held captive, restore sight to the blind. There are gifts in this place that have not yet been activated. There are healers among us. There are preachers among us. There are singers among us. There are encouragers among us. But you have to tap into the kingdom in order to allow it to be activated. So the disciples, they see exactly what is happening. 
and they experience all that Jesus is doing. And they catch it so much that they say, hey, let's go to Peter's house. He got a mother-in-law that's sick. Can you do something for her? So Jesus takes the disciples. They go to her house. As soon as he touches her, she's healed. He didn't say nothing. He just lifted her up. And the Bible says she began to serve. And what God is saying to me is that when he lifts us up out of the muck and the mire, when he lifts us up out of sin and he places our feet on this solid foundation, he wants us to serve. He wants us to find something for our hands to do. He wants you to be a part of something that is bigger than you. All right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord anyhow. And in verse 27, it says, an amazement gripped the audience. And they wondered, what kind of gospel is this? Demons obey, and he preaches with authority. Well, let me tell you what kind of gospel it is. It's one that does not come by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. When you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, you don't have to push, you don't have to pull. All you got to do is speak. Peace be still. And that situation ought to change because you belong to Jesus Christ. It ought to change because he says, whatsoever is done in heaven will also be done on earth. Did you forget that he says he's been given the keys to the kingdom? You have the kings of the kingdom? And the gates of hell shall not prevail against you? But you have to believe the word of God enough to speak it with authority and activate it. You got to get that word into your heart that when you begin to speak it, you believe it. You don't got to look back to see if it's done. You speak it, walk away, and know that it's done. Because God said, I'm able to do all things but fail. You just speak the word. And the angels, he gives charge over his word. For in Jeremiah 1 and 12, he says, I watch over my word to perform. I do want to encourage you. But more than encourage you, I want to jumpstart you into something that you've not been in before. Again, you are a wonderful body of believers. But God is requiring more of you. He's not looking for complacency. Each and every one of you are king's kids. And every one of king's kids has keys. That means you have a place That means that you should be inviting more people to your house because you're proud of it. When you are fishing for men, you go after the one and the rest will come. Stop just going after the one that is easy, but the one that doesn't like you in class. The one at work that gets on your nerves. See, who's greater, them or God? 
For I'm able to do all things through Christ who what? Gives me strength. Make that your mission. Go after that one because God loves him too. God loves her too. And so in the text, verse 29, Jesus says, okay, you're starting to participate, but I'm not going to stop the demonstration. See, sometimes after we get one, we think our work is done. But the example that Jesus gives is that he continues to give sight to the blind, to heal the brokenhearted, to set those captives at liberty. He continues to turn the situation around. And at night, the word goes out what Jesus has done. And they bring multitudes of people. And the Bible says he healed them all. Now, how many of you are college students? And y'all go to Malone, right? Or Wash, Christian College. When's the last time somebody was healed in your presence? Or did that just happen in the past? I believe he can do it. There are people waiting on you. There's people waiting on you. There's people waiting on you. There's people waiting on me. Some folks that find themselves in a situation and they don't know how they're going to get out. It's time for us. It's time. So Jesus... speaks to the demons and he tells them to be quiet. See, sometimes, and I'm done, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm getting ready to shut up. Sometimes we're more afraid of what might happen than what he said ought to happen. Who are you serving? What has he called us to do? Fish for men. And I promise you, if you take authority over the enemy, God will set some folks free. This church will grow and that $2.3 million that you need, it'll show up. He'll give you jobs so that you can give so that you can glorify his name. But we have to make up our mind that we're not going to walk around the kingdom, but we're going to reside in the kingdom. So as I close, in the kingdom of God, all right, we're not going to say that. We're not going to say that. But I'm going to say this. Pastor, am I allowed to have them stand? Would everybody stand to their feet, please? I just want to be honest. This was a struggle for me. I'm not used to preaching those many verses. But out of obedience, I know it's better than sacrifice. 
And I just believe that this is the word that God wanted for this congregation. Because there are some here that are struggling with, am I doing enough? God, is there more that you want me to do? God, why is this working? It's because you are fishing for fish and he's calling you to fish for men. Why am I struggling the way that I am? Because he's saying, I want you to follow me. And if that's you, don't be ashamed. Just raise your hand. And I'm asking you to raise your hand because I definitely want to pray for you. But I know there's prayer warriors in this place. People that are going to pray. And if you believe, you're going to receive a breakthrough. You're going to receive a breakthrough. See, God is in the business of promotion, not demotion. And until you can get away from yourself and to God, you're not going to be promoted. But when you decide, okay, nothing else matters but pleasing the Father.